Welcome to the Career Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Our host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. Welcome to Career Pod. Tom Okonski will be joining us today to talk about his long and successful career as a patent attorney. Our discussion will focus on a number of topics, such as the value of mentoring, what skills are required to have a successful patent career, and the three requirements for a patent to be granted. Peers have consistently acknowledged Tom for his excellence with best practice awards both locally and nationally. I'm sure you'll enjoy our discussion. So we're here today with Tom Okonski, and we're talking about a, a career in uh, uh, patent law. It's good to have you here, Tom. Thank you. Good, good to see you. Uh, well, first of all, let's start in the beginning. Uh, if you could talk about just briefly a little bit about your early life and uh, decisions about schooling uh, and uh, those early decisions about career and how they unfolded. Yes. Uh, I grew up in Troy, New York and went to a uh, Christian Brothers Academy military school for high school and graduated uh, number one in my class with uh, highest rank, military rank in the group. And an individual who turned out to be my mentor did the same thing. He went to the same school and ended up the cadet colonel, which is the highest rank, and also went to RPI, which is where I spent my engineering years education at Rensselaer Polytech, which is also in Troy, New York. So I was a local kid who was attending local schools. Um, between my junior and senior year in at RPI, I uh, was in communication with my mentor, and he was at that time a manager at General Electric. It, had, it was actually Knowles Atomic power laboratory, and I was studying nuclear engineer at RPI. And he was also in that field, so he uh, was able to obtain a summer assignment for me. So uh, it turns out that uh, the, the job was not very interesting for me. So at the end of my summer, I approached the individual who was my mentor and said, I wasn't happy with what was going on, and does he have any other recommendations for me? And he said, well, talk to the company lawyer. Uh, he may have some ideas. So I did. I talk, spoke to the company lawyer at that particular division. And he hemmed and hawed for a while, but then he said, uh, did you ever think of patents? And I said, what's a patent? <laughs> Impressive that you would have that come back, right? Okay. So one thing led to another. I, at that point, interviewed at various companies that had training programs, yeah. uh, including IBM, uh, Bell Labs, G actually had a training program as well. And uh, the training programs would involve them sending you to night law school and you working during the day. And the beauty of the training program, not only did you get your law school tuition paid, but you uh, were paid for work during the day and by the time you graduated, 
with your law degree, you had four solid years of patent law experience. So, Well, a couple takeaways. One, uh, for those listeners that are in early stage in a career, uh, just be honest with yourself. If you're in a job that is continually satisfying you, it typically doesn't get better doing it over 10 years or 20 years. And be mindful of those around you that have put in those 10 or 20 years and how are they feeling about their jobs. And you also took the initiative to reach out to some people looking for some advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprise, surprise, some people do give you good advice. Yeah, I was lucky to have, his name was Joe Bulmer, B-U-L-M-E-R. Yeah, I was lucky to have him as to guide my career along. Right. So. And what, once you get exposed a little bit to patent, what were the interests that really surfaced in you? What did what did you like about that field? Well, what I liked about it is you could play lawyer, yep. but at the same time you're on the edge of technology, yep. state-of-the-art technology, especially at Bell Labs. Right. There's... I did a lot of work on lasers, uh, optical fiber communications, etc. Yep. I was working with some really well-known uh, scientists in those fields. Yeah. Uh, the inventor of the CO2 laser, which turned into a major weaponry uh, laser. Mm. So, uh, but it was interesting because you could advocate the patentability, for example, of a particular invention before an examiner or before a board of appeals. And at the same time, you know, you had the benefit of dealing with leading-edge okay. technology. So I enjoyed the combination of those Good. two. And what skills were they starting to develop in you uh, in terms of skills that you currently use, but you had early exposure to them? Writing ability was key. Yeah. You had to be able to write well okay. and uh, analyze a fact set, basically look at, a description of an invention and hone in on what it really is about the description that is novel and useful and okay. unobvious. So Then, and even now I suspect, uh, it's really daunting to, to stay current with the technology that you get exposed to, and, and particularly young in a career, uh, it, it could have been overpowering. Any particular comment on that uh, you just uh, no I, I find I'm rusty in certain technology areas although you know I've after I left Bell Labs to join a law firm I was sort of forced into major yeah. litigation at that point yeah so I my career evolved from writing patents and prosecuting them before the patent office to uh, actually enforcing them in court and defending against their assertion by others. Okay. And uh, I did cases in all different technology areas, software, uh, hardware, uh, trampolines. (laughs) (laughs) It, It was all over the spectrum. Right. But I must say my understanding of the software and hardware Technology today is not what it was yeah, years it's, ago. It's uh, it's just amazing. Uh, some of the occupational groups we've talked to, 
it's um, hard to believe they can even stay close to being current. Yeah. When you think of the doctor that we go see mm -hmm. about our ailments and how that person, he or she, stays current is beyond me uh, right. and so forth. Now, you've had a long career, 40-plus uh, years. Oh, is that my firm that I joined after Bell Labs for 42 years? 42 years. I joined in 75, became a partner in 1980. Okay. And was a partner throughout the tenure until I left at the end of 2016. And you got an award last year, I guess, or this year? Uh, for... Out of that, a number. In, yeah. To be less than humble, I've been a... Massachusetts super lawyer f multiple times. Okay. Um, I've got an AV preeminent rating with Martindale Hubbard for 22 years in a row, which is their highest rating of professionals. Right. And I've been rated or selected by my peers as the best in Boston, in America, mm. for the past four years well, in, in intellectual property well, litigation. Well, that's, that's, you should justifiably be proud of those uh, labels, but they're earned uh, mm -hmm. through your experience and everything. If you look at the, uh, uh, you talked a little bit about this uh, in your own situation, your growth and your writing skills and your, your thought process, your mm -hmm. logic that you applied. Uh, is it critical a person come out of an engineering discipline to be a patent attorney? Uh, it is because you have to either have an engineering or a science degree in order to qualify okay. to take the patent exam. There's, there is a bar exam, if you will, to be a patent attorney, to authorize you to practice before the U.S. Patent and Trademark okay. Office. Years ago, you could, you could become a patent attorney without a technical degree. But nowadays, you have to have either science or engineering. Okay. Uh, you mentioned writing skills and the requirement for having a technical degree. Sometimes writing skills uh, are, are absent in an engineering person, just historically. Did you find that's a challenge for some attorneys? Or? Uh, <clears throat> I had a knack for writing. Hmm. Uh, Read a lot of books when I was a young boy okay. and helped help with your writing. You know, writing very often is emulating someone else's yeah. style or sure. statements, et cetera. So. so some general advice is read a lot of books, <laughs> you know, read more than uh, the, the funnies. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, your early career, maybe, you know, 10 years in, 15 years in uh, your, your career, uh, any changes in how you did your work? You had more autonomy, or uh, it was it pretty much the same? It had more to do with the complexity of your assignments. Uh, I was put in charge of a pretty major piece of litigation shortly after I joined the firm, and that was a major case. I represented Honeywell in a major trade secret case against Arthur D. Little and Magnavox. Hmm. That case had a, everything you could think of in terms of, you know, experience gathering. Right. So I was f injected into that type of environment very early on. And, yeah. And I, my cases after that were usually many times company-threatening type cases. So. Right. 
Yeah, it, uh, sometimes it's good to be a little bit over your head. Mm-hmm. It's uh, learning under pressure and uh, a lot of, especially if you actually litigate. Most lawyers I've come in contact with, going to court is such a remote uh, probability. Right. Uh, but in your space, uh, it, it's just a step towards ultimately a, a, a good conclusion, I guess, often. Right. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's rewarding in in a lot of ways there's nothing better than getting a favorable verdict mm. or judgment in a case where you've worked with a client for three four years and yeah. become acquainted with them and very satisfying in that respect right. uh, not naming any names but is there a, a brief story of a perry mason moment where uh <laughs> Either the the jury are these before a jury often or is it they before started a out very rarely patent yeah. cases tried to a jury but as time evolved most of them now are tried to a jury okay uh, so. is there a type of uh, favorable outcome that is leading to that Perry case moment where it's an well outcome? I had uh, I was in court one day right and I had a bank executive on the stand and we were suing that bank for infringing. A service mark of my client right and I said to the bank executive what's the address of that building right over there and he said something Columbus Ohio and I said uh, now if my client were to come in open a branch office there and put the name of the its service mark on the top of the building in big neon lights would you have any pr- problem with that and he said yes I would <laughs> and I said, why? He says, because it'd be grounds for confusion. And I said, no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure the other counsel was hiding their head at that moment. <laughs> so no question. You've talked about the role of mentor uh, earlier in your career. And throughout your career, have you benefited from mentors? Uh, yeah. The senior partner at my prior firm was very much a mentor. He was brilliant, both technically and legally, Hmm. and he placed a lot of trust in me. And just from working with him, you know, he'd be at a client meeting and, you know, he'd look at a big schematic drawing and he'd say, is that correct? Is that wire supposed to be connected over there? And the engineer would scratch his or her head and sure enough. That's the kind of guy he was. Plus, he was a really, you know, genuine, hmm. genuinely nice individual. So I, I was lucky throughout my career in terms of having right. more experienced people help me along. And this was not anything formal. They would just do it as a matter of course, right? right. Okay. Now, the flip side is your own role uh, with 41 years there, a couple years here. Uh, have you had that style yourself to mentor others or...? I like to think so. I uh, work with uh, several young litigators now, um, you know, and uh, I think that they're learning from me at times. And perhaps, you know, when I make a mistake, they learn in that way. And also when I make the right call, they learn in that way as well. Yeah, I think uh, that point's been raised by others. Uh, in, you could assert in some cases in our life we've learned 
more from errors we've made than the successes that come. Uh, so uh, I, I won't ask you to name the top three errors you've made and so forth. Uh, how about the basic uh, day in the life of Tom Okonski? Is it when when you're in gear, uh, what what are you doing? Day yeah, it's you mostly meetings now, both with younger associates and with clients. And basically, you know, I dictate or determine strategy for proceeding. It's you know, a lawsuit is very much like a chess game. Yeah. So you you have to. You know, think of your moves in advance. Think of what, you know, the likely outcome is going to be. So I spend a good part of my day just developing, formulating strategy. I don't, I mean, I've done all the other stuff that used to be, or that's involved in litigation. I used to take depositions, yep. used to write briefs. Now I review briefs, and I don't usually take depositions anymore unless it's a high-level CEO type or right. stuff like that. Okay. And how about the inbound people that you're hiring or reviewing? Uh, what do you look for in, uh, you know, intermediate or, or junior uh, attorneys? What kind of skill set do they have? Uh, well, first of all, they have to be good writers, yep. and that's key. And they also have to be, you know, able to scope out a situation. They have to be loyal. You know, they have to care about pleasing you and yeah. make, bringing a smile to your face and things of that sort. Uh, yeah, some of those things are tough to measure uh, in right. an interview. Correct. Uh, are there work samples that you can ask for for their writing skills? You can, or? and we typically do, but yeah. you, know, you, you never know who was involved in drafting that piece That's of right. work yeah. and stuff like that. So you, you learn... How, you're good people by working with them for a period of time. Okay. Uh, how about uh, the the whole issue of luck? Uh, a lot of what you've done in your career is is just a function of hard work, and you outwork the the competition, and you get a better scenario. Uh, are there situations where you've really had good luck, uh, whether it be the assignment of who the sitting judges or uh, who you you're facing or the the quality of an initial patent you're trying to you just walk in and it, it's incredibly well done what what those are well, search had, examples what, I've had a couple experiences with judges where uh, I did very well in a trial early on and then I had occasion to appear before that judge okay. subsequently so the respect is there Yep. right from the outset, Un unlike many other lawyers who ha have not had the benefit of that experience. They don't get the respect right out of the right. gate that I would with these two judges. Recently, uh, I appeared before a judge, and he started off the hearing by saying, I'm not going to recuse myself, but I want you to let want it, all of you to know that I tried cases with Tom Okonski. Hmm. Uh, years ago, 30 years ago, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to step aside, but I just think I have a duty to tell you that. So. Well, in a case like that, if you're on the other side, the other table, you, you might as well start negotiating in <laughs> some ways, I guess. Anyway. I think so. Yeah. They, uh, there was a little squirming at yeah. that point from the... 
Uh, how about uh, the flip side where, you know, just it just doesn't fall right. The, we can call it bad luck, it, whatever. Uh, any examples just generically about that? The types yeah, of things? Yeah, I had a case where I really took a liking to the clients. It lasted four years, and uh, they were a simple lot. They were basically a small manufacturing business in New Hampshire. Yeah. And uh, we had a trial against a large Fortune 500 company. Uh, and the judge sat on the ruling for a year and a half before it came down. And he came down and he decided against us. So I ran into that judge at a restaurant subsequently. And he said, well, somebody had a win. Uh, and I said, boy, that's <laughs> yeah, that's sad commentary on justice. It, it is, because I guess we we know people in all of our occupational groups that will occasionally mail it in. It's just mm -hmm. human nature, and uh, it's tough to be playing your A game every day. Every But you do have that expectation out of a judge, especially yeah. with all the effort that uh, and all the impact that a, a, a decision can have. Yeah, how about the, the general field of... Uh, uh, patents. Who? What percentage of people who file for patents are individuals versus corporations? And maybe that. Mm -hmm. do you, is there a, a dominance in terms yeah, of corporate? Most, most patents are filed by companies, right? And universities. And and of the private in in patent holder, is there a stereotype of who's successful? Because some people listening to this, everybody's got an idea. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can't go to a cocktail party without someone yeah. giving you an idea of their great new product idea. Uh, is there a profile of the more successful person in that, that tough space? Yeah, usually the, the garage inventor that comes up with an idea while it might be useful and, and you know, a bit you know, catchy and unique. The real inventions come from corporations right. and universities. So yeah, because yeah, they're they're looking at the use ten years from now right. and the impact versus and it's in a field typically that they've been pursuing for many years. So yeah, you you've talked a little bit about the satisfiers, but let me just be very specific. What gives you the most level of satisfaction in your career that you have here? Well, it's a very lucrative field. You yep. uh, make decent money both in the formative eight stages as well as in the you know twilight of your career, especially in the twilight of your career. Right. I mean, I don't work very hard anymore, and I enjoy mentoring and helping people with briefs and outlining depositions and things of that sort. So. Money is, yeah. is is important, but the, the idea of being able to guide somebody along to teach them and mentor them in the process is very satisfying yeah. as well. If we went back, not in your current stage, but when you were, uh, you know, intermediate to senior in your profession, uh, what were the frustrations typically? I mean, uh, frustrations were mostly losses. Yeah. Anybody, okay. any lawyer who tells you he wins out all their cases is, is not telling you the truth. Right. Because you, cases don't go to trial unless they're close. 
Okay. So, you know, if you win a majority of them, you're doing great. But if you know, there are times when you, as I mentioned earlier, where you really take a liking to the client yep. and you have to disappoint them with a right unfavorable decision. So, can can you get outspent? And someone folds in that context, or it really everybody's at the corporate level. They everybody's got the money, yeah, uh, or not. Is that an issue sometimes? Yeah, I mean, the larger companies uh, hire the biggest law firms. Yeah. You know, guys charging twelve hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, uh, but they don't necessarily get a better representation in the course of. We pride our and always have on being able to provide top-notch uh, legal representation for half the price of some of the okay. larger law firms. Right. We've litigated against the biggest firms, you know, and we've done quite well on the whole against the larger firms. Okay. If a person was interested in filing a patent and they, let's say they're an individual uh, person, uh, what two or three things would you tell them to uh, be mindful of? Write it up, first of all. Get it, reduce it to writing, preferably with sketches, if yeah. it's something that's amenable to sketching. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then submit it to a patent attorney who's going to uh, commission a search of prior patents to determine whether it's novel. There are three requirements for patents. Novel, which means it's new. Nothing exactly like that's been done before. Right. Unobvious, which is the tough factor. You have to show that it's unobvious, one of ordinary skill in the art. Mm. And then useful is the third factor. So you have to have them start thinking about what it is about their invention that's novel. Yeah. Uh, unobvious and useful. So. Well, there's the case of the pencil with the eraser on top. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where it gets into the subjective field about what's obvious and unobvious. Yeah, back then there probably wasn't very much in terms of what we call prior art. Right. You know? So. So, uh, I'm not sure if it was ever patented, but it might have been. Yeah, I think it was. And yeah. That was the thing. Now, I, I, I rarely quote Shark Tank, but I'll do that today and because of the sophistication of this discussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark Cuban is always railing against there are too many patents. Mm -hmm. uh, the office is granting too many patents and whatever. Do you have an opinion about, is it? Well, he's upset because he's an investor. And right. It, it, anytime there's a patent, there's going to be uh, uh, someone looking to assert it and, right. and demand compensation for its infringement so yeah. I can understand his you know sentiment but uh, patents are not easy to obtain they're, they're basically you have to satisfy the patent office that what you're right. dealing with is unobvious hmm. and the patent office can cite any number of prior patents and say this is obvious in view of patent A, patent yep. B, and patent C, and then you have to say, well, there's no motivation to combine them, right, and all this stuff. But it's it's generally pretty tough hmm. assignment to get a allowable patent. In your career, has uh, 
uh, has the patent office changed major guidelines or you know maybe I don't believe it would have been more politicized but whatever how has it changed in your tenure there was a recent decision it's called Alice it was in Ray Alice or something like that basically it says you can't not patent a general abstract idea uh, and so a lot of software patents are being rejected for failure to comply with the requirements of patent patentability. So there's been a shift in terms of software especially yeah. to um, allowance of less no you know less patents than in prior years. Uh, in many of the jobs we're talking to people about is a huge shift uh, with the emergence of new technology. Mm-hmm. And I suspect in your area the research that you did 40 years ago and how you did the research is far different than what you can do now. Yeah. Uh, well, how, how has technology changed the job specifically? Huh? Years ago, when I first started out, I used to go down to D.C. and they had all the patents, prior patents, in what they called shoes. They were little trays. And it was dusty and <laughs> the, the patents were deteriorating and he literally sat there, and they were classified and subclassified, but you had to sort of guess as to what the yeah. proper area to search was. Now it's pretty all, pretty much all computerized. In fact, there are a number of groups, companies, especially companies in India, hmm. that will search for very cheap fees. Yeah. Uh, and they'll do it computerized, computerized search. So it'll be done faster and more accurately, too, right. because of technology. Yeah. How about around the office? Uh, you know, what's your weapon of choice? Is it Apple? Is it a smartphone that's a Google? What do you use <laughs> and how often do you use it? You're talking to somebody that's old school. Okay. So, so you have... I, I'm not the best in terms of okay. new technology, but... You have I more than a flip. All, you have more than a flip phone, right? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I rely on my young guys to worry right. about searching and legal research and all that stuff. If you look back at your career, how how would you evaluate your career on a ten point scale? Uh, I don't know. It'd be hard not to give it a ten. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, the mix of law, you know, lawyering and mm. technology. It's been great. Yeah. It's been rewarding financially, so yeah. uh, put my kids through college <laughs> yeah. without the, any difficulty and good. basically have been able to enjoy life, so I'd recommend it to anybody that's considering. Right. How about general advice for people in their career? Uh, you've, you've seen a lot of people come into your occupational field, but just in general, uh, what three or four things would you say about advice in a career and work? Well, that's the key thing. You have to, especially early on, you have to work. I mean, many a night we spent all night, especially on litigation, you know, writing a brief or reading, reviewing a brief or organizing exhibits for the next day, prepping witnesses, I mean, it's not a nine-to-five job. Right. It is largely for me now only because I'm at that stage of my career. But right. 
starting off, it was it was a grind in many respects, but an enjoyable grind. Right. So. And I guess someone brought it up another discussion about the value relationships. In this case, the person was really being kind of critical that they thought their competence, their individual competence, would be the major driver in their career. And in retrospect, they wish they had built relationships, devoted more time into peer relationships mm-hmm. inside and outside their organization. Uh, have relationships helped you? You've mentioned mentors, but just in general. Yes, clearly, yes. I mean, clients don't generally, notwithstanding your profile and awards, they don't walk into the door and say, Tom, I want you to handle a $5 million case. Right, right. You, you have to network. You have to stay active in the industry, the practice. You have to make sure people, your name stays with people. Yeah. I have a unique name, so right. it's kind of hard to forget. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, you have to keep keep your finger in the yeah. mix. So part of your job was the rainmaking and development right. of business and so right. forth. Okay, good. Where does, typically, where does your business come from? Past clients or a big source? Mostly past clients. Yeah. You know, clients who are satisfied with work that I did in the past. So, uh, One last question, uh, and it's just a general uh, catch-all. You've come in contact with a lot of people, a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a, a story, an uh, interesting one? It has to be somewhat less than 28 minutes, but uh, of either that was suspenseful, funny, uh, or just interesting. Uh, anyone that comes to mind? Well, <laughs> is there... Obviously, there's about yeah, there's 100 a hundred you can tell. Yeah, there's quite a few. But one day uh, in an early litigation, the Honeywell case I was talking about earlier, uh, there were several individual defendants represented by sole practitioners. And there was this relatively large individual lawyer who was representing one of the defendants. So. We went out to his office about eight, eight, nine o'clock at night to serve a subpoena, a couple of us. And he, we, he was in the office because he was hiding behind the desk and he wouldn't come to the door. But we could see him move every now and then. So we, we ended up leaving and serving it the next morning. But the mere yeah. fact that he would just, yeah, this that, large individual would try to crawl behind his desk was right. quite yeah. comical. And I guess you've never done the move yourself, haul, uh, avoiding a person by crawling under your desk. No, we used to lock the door, but... <laughs> well, okay, well, we've well, got some standards, Tom, so uh, that's, right. that's good to know. Well, we've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, thanks for joining us at CareerPod, and uh, I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this. Thank you very much. Great.